welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 20. It's a very special episode. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, tonight, Travis, we're going to talk about... The uh, movie, Swiss Army Man, the music, Alice in Chains Unplugged. And because it's a very special episode, neither one of us has ever heard or seen them before. Exactly. We buck the trend of our format a little bit every 10 episodes and assign each other things that we have not experienced ourselves but would like to. So, uh, yeah. So before we do, before we get into talking about the meat of the episode, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. This was a good week. Uh, if you remember last week, we had a couple of tests this week medically. And the good news is, is Amy officially has a diagnosis and oh. there is a treatment for it. It's a surgery, an abdominal surgery, and that is not scheduled yet. And that's kind of a big deal and scary and all that stuff. But at this point, after eight months of pretty chronic pain, every time she eats, uh, mm -hmm. the, you know, a surgery is, is good. So there's, it's hope it is what it is, yes, which is nice. Hope. Hope's good. That's lovely. Yeah. I'm glad for that. So, uh, Anything other else? than that, uh, you know, still rocking and rolling. Uh, although I've, I've put, mostly written a song this week, but I, I did not really get anything recorded at all. I, I may actually have to like stand there with my guitar and just live sing into the microphone after our podcast, just to get something oh. down. I'm, I'm certainly not going to officially release it. I might sort of do like, this is the demo version of this song and then I'll work on it you know, hopefully before the next album is released. So I do have, yeah. you know, 13 weeks between albums. And there's a there's certainly downtime in there. Uh, you know, we're going on vacation uh, soon, and we're going to be mm -hmm. on the road. So I'll be writing stuff on the road, but not recording anything. So I think this will just be leading into that. And uh, yeah, you know, my, my guitar playing is not good enough that I can just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to just wail on the acoustic guitar and everybody's going to be super impressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need a little production. Uh, I need a, time. I need a little production magic. Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. I hear you. My, uh, I, this could be interesting to have a on the road kind of theme for some of your album. Yeah. Uh, I did sure. buy my copy of uh, your first, uh, <gasps> Peng go stank hole oh, <laughs> album is that you so, you bought it digitally yeah did i did buy, buy it digitally i i don't do physical on, media so did you buy it on Bandcamp? i did buy it on Bandcamp okay. uh, because that somebody uh, is more beneficial to you yeah, yeah that is more beneficial to me i was super excited that i was like i sold a digital album this week and i don't know who it is but now i know oh it doesn't uh, tell you who bought it no it told me who bought it but it doesn't tell me your real name it just tells me your Bandcamp username so Oh, like the email, the secret email I use so that Bandcamp doesn't send me stuff. Uh, oh. I don't want to, yeah, I use the hide my email thing that Apple has where you can yeah. set up a different unique email for every website. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this it didn't give me an email. It gave me some username, but maybe the username was just the front half of the email or something like that. Possibly. I'm it's usually really sure. some sort of like two random words and then a number. Ah, like pyloric. Okay valve oh, that's actually a thing um, 
I was Fantastic. trying to oh, because, no, I because one of my emails does have the word pyloric in it, and I just that delighted me very much, and so that was what was in my head. Um, that's great. Well, uh, hopefully sales will uh, continue to pick up, and uh, I did have an audition this week that I was really excited about. Uh, my very first soap opera audition, Ooh. and um, what's funny is I am. Yeah, I'm friends with a casting director who works on a soap opera, uh, like personal friends, but he has never brought me in, to my knowledge, to audition. Uh, maybe once, like, nine years ago. and um, But never again. And then, so this audition was not for that guy, which surprised me. Uh, it's for a soap opera that I had not previously auditioned for. And uh, and so it was exciting. It was It's a recurring, or possibly recurring. It's a doctor who's like... Um, you know, uh, a little bit unscrupulous. Uh, imagine that. Yeah. And that. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't heard yet, but, um, you know, I watched the audition over again last night and I was like, you know what? This is a pretty good audition. So I would, I we'll would see. love, I would love it if you were on a soap opera. And I think, I think that would so be would a I. good fit for you. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, mean, I think, I you're... don't think I'm good looking enough for most soap operas, to be honest. Well, you're but... not good looking enough for like the, you know, the super good looking guy. The handsome lead. But you're definitely yeah, yeah. good looking enough to be on a soap opera for sure. Yeah. And I'm yeah. definitely creepy enough, like, to be the creepy doctor uh, who is unscrupulous. In his uh, in his practices, yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that, if anything. And uh, the thing I like about soap operas is that they have a very fast turnaround time. Like mm-hmm. you have to learn all your lines really quick, and that's something that uh, being a sketch performer at Acme really helped me prepare for. So uh, we were learning brand new sketch shows every week. Um, yeah. For for years so the other thing on friday after my improv class i went downtown to meet with a friend and hang out for a couple hours and uh, came outside and my fancy e-bike that is my only mode of transportation was stolen it was uh missing from its uh the the bike rack that i had locked it to with my fancy schmancy kryptonite lock and chain and uh, it was just gone. There was a tiny piece of the lock remaining. Uh, and so I walked down to the police station, the closest police station, to do a, um, to do a report. And I had to go around the side of the building because, like, the front was closed. So I had to go around to where, like, the, the, the garage is. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the guy, the officer who was in the um, garage was, he was like, oh, well, call this number. And... Uh, <laughs> And or flag, you know, maybe flag down a car if you if you see one coming, um, flag down a black <laughs> and white, and they'll you know maybe help you. And um, and I and he, he said, in the meantime, I'll see if I can find someone too. And the number he gave me, I tried to call it twenty five times, and it was busy every single time. Wow. And so finally, he calls me over and says, "Hey, I got someone who's going to help you." And so this new officer did the report, and they were all very nice because. I'm a white man, and um, it was uh, probably I don't want to I don't want to make assumptions, but I, I in that moment I did feel no Travis I'm sure you're a white man I, I am and I and I did feel a little bit of uh, relief at my um, privilege so I will say that but uh, I recognized my privilege at the very least and um, and so we we were doing the report and then uh, while we were doing that a couple other female officers came up in their uh, squad car and um, they were like okay we'll ride around what's the li-? and I had an air tag I have an air tag oh, on the bike okay and um, and it was showing me where the bike was and I said here's where it says the bike is and they're like oh okay we'll go look for it and um, and if it changes locations just let us know and I was like well what if I just ride with you 
and I can tell you in real time where it says it is. And then also, if we get close, it'll do different things. Like, it'll lead us even closer. And they're like, no, no, don't do that. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. And so I just stayed with the guy who was doing my uh, report, and he finished the report. We updated the location once to the squad car, and they didn't find it. And here it was at this time, probably 10 o'clock at night, downtown mm -hmm. L.A., and the AirTag was saying it was in a pretty uh, gnarly neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the officer was like, don't walk down there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So... That's where it is. Uh, I've been keeping track of it. It hasn't changed locations in quite a while. Um, I have a call in with my, I have a renter's insurance, so I'm just trying to make sure if mm -hmm. it's covered. They said it was when I originally tried to yeah, add coverage for it yeah. because it's an expensive bike. It's an e-bike. Yeah. It was like, you know, two grand. But um, they said when I originally tried that I didn't need to add coverage because it was covered for theft, which is really my only worry. Yeah. So we'll see if that's still true. And, now, uh, maybe and be, did uh, you had you registered your kryptonite lock as well? No, I don't think yeah. I had. Yeah, that's which is it. Really yeah. too bad. Well, it's very frustrating, right? Because kryptonite is like, oh yeah, we'll you know we'll insure your bike. Uh, yeah. But of course, there's a huge rigmarole that you have to go through beforehand, right. In order right. to like properly register that you blah blah blah, and so exactly, yeah. So it's 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 a pain. It's a it's a it's a it's a hassle. I'm I'm. A little pissed, to be honest, yeah. but trying to be uh, trying to be happy, uh, and uh, I want to I want to be happy for you and for you, audience, to uh, as we talk about some interesting things, because oof, do I have opinions about uh, both of the things we exposed ourselves to this week? That's very exciting. I do as well. So, what do you say we get started? Change things up a little. Shake shake it up. Shake it up. And do the movie. Movie first? Yeah, movie. All first. right. Yeah, All right. Let's do it. Um, okay. Well, the movie, I, I will tell us about the movie. It, it's a movie. So you may remember how much we loved Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was this year's big Oscar winner, won Best Picture, Best Director, a couple of Best Actor awards. And uh, it was just a phenomenal movie. The directors, the Daniels, previously uh, directed a movie called Swiss Army Man, starring Paul Dano. And Daniel Radcliffe as a corpse that uh, that Paul Dano finds on a desert island um, is, that he is trapped on. And he and the corpse. Now, if you watch the trailer, I always assumed that kind of the whole thing takes place on this desert island. And that the end of it is them trying to get off the island because of uh, because of he realizes that the corpse's flatulence is strong enough to actually uh, propel it through the water like a jet ski uh, but that happens in the first like five minutes of the movie and so they they get off the island and make it back to the mainland right away and then it's basically uh, this movie is so weird guys it's like, pretty weird it is it is uh, it is delightfully weird first of all and I, I i really it's funny because the 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 sound of the farting is not funny farts do you know there's a funny <laughs> fart and then there's kind of gross wet farts and uh, this was more the kind of gross wet farts that i was like in, in my like i love a fart i love a funny fart as much as the next guy but and and i actually had a conversation this week with my ex-boyfriend who was trying to come up with a title for his show and one of them had a fart in the name uh and then the other had something else 
then the, the the name with farts was uh, farts aren't funny anymore, and other things <laughs> I've learned in my thirties. And I was like, that is a great title if you don't say they aren't funny, uh, because he said he had a poll and like a twenty to one poll picked the other title. And I said, yeah, but if you change it to something other than farts aren't funny, I bet everyone will choose that because the fact is everybody thinks farts are funny. Yeah. And so anyway, but this, these kind of farts in this movie were not that. And I was at first thinking, oh man, this is going to be this kind of movie. Like gross, uh, this is going to be like a gross farts kind of movie. And um, <laughs> it, it, it kind of was, but it also wasn't. It transcended that to such a kind of um, an amazing way. So um, uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but I will tell you now that you should see it. It's seeable, and um, it's it's just it, it becomes a story about the reason Paul Dano was out in the desert island and about to kill himself um, because he felt he he, he kind of ran away from home because he thought no one loved him and the corpse actually helps him figure out stuff. Um, and it's interesting. I, I will say that the thing that mars this movie, the only thing that mars this movie for me is the ending. And we can talk about that. But first, uh, I guess, tell me what you thought of it. I, I, I Maybe, should I say what I thought first? Because usually we say did... why we love the movie. Yeah. I mean, and I, I guess whatever, I did man. really like the movie. Yeah, you, but, I feel like you've communicated um, a fair amount of that. Okay. Okay. Great, great, great. So so your, your turn then. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I did dig the movie. It has, it, it's funny because it has a very everything everywhere all at once sensibility. Like you can tell very, like right at the beginning, they have a very unique visual style, extremely heavy on slow motion, uh, and operatic music to go with your slow mm -hmm. motion. Um, yeah. and uh, extremely heavy on weirdness, uh, but humorous weirdness. And this is good stuff right a lot of it is really really enjoyable the the beginning where he turns into a jet ski through the use of through the power of farts is extremely funny it's yeah because you're right there is a line that you're trying not to cross where it's funny or it's gross or it's funny or it's gross and this is absolutely both right there's no way that you can say that this lands firmly on one side or the other but I, yeah. it, it, it is very, very charming and funny. I agree with you that the ending does kind of, it, it, it has a way of making you go, what did we do all this for? I, and we can, we can talk about the ending, but I, I, there was a lot of really good stuff in this movie where at first it seems like they're traveling through the forest, but as time goes by, you realize they're kind of just hanging out in the forest and in this one area, not far from uh, like a, a bridge over a ravine. And they're, you know, basically kind of living this sort of fantasy life. And I, I liked all of that. Right. Um, yes. Do you have, oh, no, a, you I have just, a you, you're so making you... a face. I'm making a face that says, "Did we? Uh, did we? Did you know any of that before the very end of the movie? Because I thought throughout them until the end that they were traveling through yes. the forest. No, no I did okay. not. Right through the whole thing, it seems like they're traveling. And then, I mean, so there, there's 
there's definitely stuff where because they start living out this fantasy where there's sort of elaborate contraptions that Paul Dano mm-hmm. builds uh, to and it, to operate the body. Yeah, to operate the body and to sort of help the body experience. So the body is named Manny and to sort of help Manny experience these things that are supposedly from his memory, but we later find out are actually from Paul Dano's memory. Right. Um, and I, I got to admit, like, I loved the first half of this movie. Absolutely loved it. I was all in. And, you know, but it did start to wear on me a little bit. So the, the, I would say the difference between everything everywhere all at once and this is that everything everywhere all at once sort of builds to a crescendo and everything kind of serves that story that is happening. This felt a little bit like, we have all these visual flourishes and sort of weird jokes and things that we like to do that maybe didn't have, like, I think they were kind of searching for a point, like a reason to tell this story and Mm -hmm. maybe didn't quite find it. Um, And a a great attempt, but like, just not quite there. Yeah, you go. I don't, I don't want to. No, I thought, and I thought that there was a point and and watching it, I thought that there, uh, there, there was a, a, a very specific point about loneliness and like a seizing the day type of story. And uh, it's just that then the ending came along and kind of, it was like, Oh no, not that. And uh, so it, it felt like they fumbled the ending a little bit, even though it felt like it was crescendoing very well and that they had a point, like things were building on things that they, you would see early on and you have that kind of play in later and uh, the, the abilities that the body has kind of naturally, not only are they, um, is it a progression, but also like some of them you only learn through montage and, but it feels just, it feels completely acceptable that you learn about this ability, like to chop wood through montage. And then when it has to, when he tries to use that to defend himself against a bear later on and doesn't work, it feels like, oh, but I, he doesn't say what he's trying to do, but you're like, oh, he's trying to do that thing that we saw in a montage. Yeah. uh, But it's not working. Um, It's interesting. This, you, the, the, the building of contraptions to um, power, to, to move the body felt very much like weekend at Bernie's, but like if directed by, I don't know, Spike Jones or, uh, or, or that's really on point. Cause yeah, Spike Jones is exactly who popped into my head when he said that. (laughs) Right. Cause he's very, he's got that very like whimsical, uh, orchestral kind of feel to it. And even the music, uh, the music I found fascinating where sometimes the characters would sing along to music after the music started. Mm-hmm. And then other times the music would take its cue from the characters yeah. and join in later. And, um, and there's a, uh, one of the things I did over the pandemic was finally read uh, Frankenstein. Okay. And this is kind of a Frankenstein story of a kind, sure. uh, you know, the, of the of the reanimating tissue, and then the and then the monster becoming very intelligent emotionally, and um, much more like when you read Frankenstein the book, it's not at all like what you think the Frankenstein story. At least for me, it was completely surprising, yeah. and the monster ends up being very very smart, mm-hmm. and so here too the body, uh, I thought it was going to be mostly watching him struggle to communicate, but. Fairly early on, Daniel Radcliffe as the as the body as Manny becomes f- 
fairly communicative. And then yeah. it's mostly about him figuring out how to be a human, how to be human yeah. through his emotions and his, and his, and his physical activity and stuff like that. So I thought that was funny. And, and incidentally, uh, Jurassic Park, which plays a role mm-hmm. in, in their, in their relationship, Manny and, um, and, uh, the, the, the other human, I don't remember what his name is, Hank, um, the alive one, Jurassic Park, Jurassic yeah. Park is also a Frankenstein story. Da, 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 so I thought da, that that was, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was interesting for sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm struggling a little bit to to feel out why I I struggled towards the end of this movie. Uh I looked up some stuff afterwards because I was curious. There's never really a good explanation of how he ends up on a desert island, right? We know that he's uh emotionally distraught and feels very alone and his he's uh, separated from his family and he doesn't talk to people, but you know, for something that is sort of a kind of a critical plot point, I mean, people don't just end up on desert islands. Do you think that the desert island is not a real island, that it was a a metaphorical island? I mean, maybe, right. But then that, that sort of, you know, throws away the whole jet ski thing, right? (laughs) Like, well, uh, and again, like if the, if that last scene where the body, where the body takes off as a jet ski out into the ocean and all the regular people also see it. Yeah. That means that it actually was a jet ski. Yeah. And it makes, it makes, it suddenly makes everything else like feel like it doesn't make sense to me. Well, like, yeah. I mean, here's the thing though. I don't know that it does necessarily make sense even without that. Right. Like, yeah, there's this part of you that wants to go, okay. Yeah this whole thing is happening sort of inside Paul Dano's head and this is all, you know, weekend at Bernie's. Right. But why? Right. Like why, why do that to a corpse? Because he's crazy. I mean, he's a little insane, but he's also working through, you know, I mean, but he's also working through this, this, this life trauma that he has of, of, of getting to the point where he was so, done with life that he felt he should end it, right? I mean, yeah. that is well, that's and a dramatic I, thing. So here's here's something that I thought was interesting was they make it clear in the movie uh, when the cops are talking about Manny, they talk about how his wounds are clearly self-inflicted suicide wounds, right? And I thought, mm-hmm. right. you know, I thought that was interesting, right? Because obviously Paul Dano is starting or trying to commit suicide right when he meets Manny. Um, Mm. And I, you know, so there's this, you know, like, was he on the borderline between life and death? Is this all a hallucination before the, before the lights go out? And then of course you're right. I mean, they, he hits the real world and all of a sudden the real world is magical. And it, there, there is this, there is this sense that they made some decisions because there were things that they wanted to do and not because they necessarily made sense for the story, you know? Like what? Like, what do you mean? Well, I do. Well, like, you know, the, <laughs> the, the fact that like he jet skis away at the end. Right. And that, that oh. because it seems to imply that there really was a magical corpse. Right. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. I don't, I guess maybe here's the thing that I will say, right. Without the ending of Manny jet skiing away on the as a magical corpse, the whole thing makes a little more sense, right? Because then 
it's Paul Dano in the wilderness with a body living out a fantasy about interaction with other humans and becoming less lonely through, you know, like growth. Right. Right. Yep. But that story doesn't actually make sense. Right. I mean, bodies start to smell and they get rigor mortis and like they're you know, and you can't just be within 200 yards of somebody's house and never see them. And like, you know, the, there's all this stuff where they, they like go down the hillside and all that stuff is right there. Like the whole time, apparently, Paul Dano mm -hmm. and Manny are just outside Mary Elizabeth Winstead's within house. Within short walking distance. Yeah, yeah, within short walking distance of her house. And that's creepy and weird. and uh, A little creepy and weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, but if they're in the same town, then it just, it doesn't give me, I don't know. They get, they know each other and he's close to home. So that's, I guess what I was thinking there. But, uh, and I, if, if the whole thing is him trying to figure out how to kind of seize the moment to talk to Sarah, if he feels so powerfully about her, which is weird now because also she's married and has a daughter. Yeah. And so she's not just a single girl that's possibly there. So it, it, this movie has a lot of things to say that it actually doesn't say about mental anguish and um, sort of other, other emotional uh, issues, very kind of strong emotional yeah. and mental issues that people have. And it never actually talks about those kind of things. It kind of plays itself as a fairy tale but it yeah. has if you delve in just a little deeper it has things that it kind of needs to address that it doesn't okay so here's here's one bit of delving in that i'd like to do and then maybe we can maybe we can get off of this but mm -hmm. i there's the whole sequence where they fall in love paul dano and manny fall in love paul dano dressed as Mary Elizabeth Sarah. instead. Sarah, yeah. thank you. Um, and it's not at all clear to me what's happening there in a practical sense or in a fantastical sense. Is Does Paul Dano love Manny? Does... Does Manny love Paul Dano? Are, is he giving up on Mary Elizabeth Winstead because... He's in love with the corpse now. Why is he happy that the corpse gets? I like. I'm. I'm not sure. In what, in what what's point going are you there. saying that they fall in love? Uh, the underwater sequence where then they kiss and there's big smiles and there's. Oh, I think and, the smile think is more says, realizing. I think there's even. I think there's even a part where he says like, "I, I, you taught me how to love," or you to like. There's stuff. There's stuff huh. sort of explicitly like. It, you taught me that there's like people worth loving and yeah, it's, I mean, I think that they, they, I think that they're like best friends and they have that kind of love, but I don't think, I think the smile under the water is more in realization that Manny has the ability to generate air and it's more like a, Oh, you're, I thought I was dead. I thought we were both dead. And now I realize that we're both going to be okay because you, you can give me air. And um, and it's more of a realization of of 
that the that the moment is not hopeless than a than a realization of love. Um, and there's a moment early on, earlier on, when he is dressed as Sarah, and Manny is really falling in love with Sarah. But it's Paul Dano dressed up as Sarah, yeah. And then they almost kiss, but they're both drunk. Especially Paul Dano is actually drunk, and Manny is the reflection of Paul Dano's emotions. So they almost kiss, but don't. And um, and I think, but I think that can be attributed to the drunkness rather than actual emotional love. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I feel like that's kind of skirting the issue, but I also like, then that goes back to, well, if this is all in Paul Dano's head, you know, uh, then he's kissing a week's old corpse multiple times. Like the, the, like there's just, there's a lot sort of, there's a lot that's skating by, right? Like, Either it's supernatural corpse for real, in which case the stuff that we see the supernatural corpse doing with the saving him from a bear and, you know, saving him from a desert island and giving him air when he's underwater and giving him water to drink and all these things, mm -hmm. that's real, right? right or it's right. not real, right? And if it's not real, then how does he survive these situations, right? So there's... I I feel like the movie wants to have it whichever way it wants it in the moment, and I, that's yes. where it, that's where it struggles for me. But I agree. in terms of like feel, I love the feel of the movie. I love the humor of the movie. I love the mm -hmm. acting in the movie. Like there there's very else, very little else to criticize. But I do feel like that there's a big structural problem with this movie. Yep, I, I agree a hundred percent, and uh, and I and I also agree that I love the performances, especially Daniel Radcliffe, which yeah. could have been could have been problematic somehow, but like it's it's actually just beautiful acting, yeah. and um, uh, the music I love, and and the editing, how the editing is is fast paced when their emotions are high, but also it slows down uh, and becomes very deliberate when they're when the characters are. Uh, slow and and con contemplative uh and so there is just yeah so much about it that i really really love and the and the production design of these yeah. this home that they build for themselves and these you know these these contraptions that paul dano's yeah. characters is supposedly making for them uh are all wonderful it's 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 wonderful fantastical almost uh and it's almost shot like a fairy tale with a little bit extra bloom on the lighting yeah and um it's uh, it's great, but yeah, I agree with you. That structure problem is it. It what it does for me is it makes this a movie that I probably won't watch again unless I want someone else to watch it. Unless yeah. I'm watching it with somebody else, I yeah. might watch it again. But as it is, I was happy to watch it the one time. As as Kevin Vachik says, I feel better for having seen it. Yeah, but. Uh, probably won't watch it again i think uh i i had a rating in mind and i think i'm gonna settle on it i think i'm gonna give this a seven i am also gonna give it a seven i think that's right where it belongs it's a really good movie that has some mm -hmm. significant flaws and that's yeah you know, that's where it's at yeah i, I want to definitely worth watching you definitely reminded me of one thing that i want to give them kudos for and this is true of all of uh everything everywhere all at once they also directed the uh, the video for um Turn down for what? If you've never seen that, yeah, it's fantastic. And and yes, and it, you're like, oh yeah, this is the Daniels. But the thing that the compliment that I wanted to give them before we move on to the next thing is they use a full color palette 
throughout the movie. It's not yeah. like that that thing that I hated so much about the power of the dog, where it was like an it, like a dirt filter for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. There's they use all the colors of the rainbow throughout the film. Certainly, there are scenes that have you know that are color corrected, but it, throughout the film, you get to see all the colors of the rainbow, and I love that. Nice, nice, excellent. Uh, So sevens from both of us. That's awesome. So yeah, Yeah. I think both of us uh, would agree. See it, see it. It's worth seeing, especially if you liked, especially if you liked everything everywhere. Yeah, it's absolutely worth worth seeing. It's almost like there's like this great sophomore album that's like a breakthrough to the popular culture and then you find out oh they had a debut album a few years ago and that's also good Mm -hmm. and you can see the seeds or you can hear the seeds of of what later became super popular but it's not it's not as good i i see that all the time with sophomore albums so yeah all right absolutely and i uh, one note too i ended up uh, watching it with subtitles on and i usually don't do that but i I think it was hard for me to under, I wanted to see what the body was saying in those initial scenes. Yeah. And, um, and then I just left it on and the dialogue and music is actually really interesting yeah. with subtitles. And yeah. there is actually a piece of music that starts with everything everywhere yeah. is, is everything or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I can't remember what the words were, but I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It so. was a nice little, nice little pre throwback, pre back. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. Exactly. All right. So, the music. So, this week uh-huh. we listened to Allison Chains Unplugged. Allison Chains Unplugged is uh, an, an unplugged album and a mostly acoustic album, live concert recorded by 90s grunge band Allison Chains. And Allison Chains was a band that you've probably vaguely heard of before. They were sort of like the next tier below like the top tier bands, although I think a lot of people would get mad at me for saying that. But they were just a little bit heavier than a lot of the bands that became popular in grunge. And they were one of the things they were really known for was their slow tempos. And I got to say, listening to this album... It got on me a little bit. I really, I did really enjoy it. I've heard many, many good things about this album. I had never heard it before. I listened to it this week and I enjoyed uh, large portions of it. But there are times when I was like, pick it up a little boys. Come on. We don't have, everything doesn't have to be the (laughs) slowest tempo. Anyways. Uh, but no, I, I, I chose it because, uh, I know it's a, it's a definitely a landmark album. It was recorded, I think less than six months before the death of Lane Staley from a heroin overdose. Um, it is, it was their first live show in like two years. He had been struggling with, with substance abuse issues, uh, the things that later claimed his life. The band has continued on after his death. They hired a new singer. The guitarist, uh, Jerry Cantrell, is a very, very highly regarded uh, guitarist. And they've released a few albums and are are still a going concern. But Lane Staley uh, is no longer with uh, any of us. So uh, what do you think of the album, Travis? Uh, so I will say that uh, I... I... I fully expected this to be much more your thing than mine uh, once I started listening to it. Uh, I was thinking that uh, you did. It's funny that they start the album talking about how they... um, it's been a few years. It's been like three years. And I was like, wait, was this, is this a new album? And they didn't record because of the pandemic. Like it sounds exactly like they were, 
like they were away yeah. for the pandemic and now they're back yeah. in, in, in their first live show. And so it's real, but it was actually no recorded back in the nineties. So, um, uh, the, um, uh, I, I did not like this album to be honest. I, um, I did not listen to it a second time. Mm-hmm. I kind of struggled through it the first time. And there were a, a couple of things that like it, it it goes against a lot of my rules mm-hmm. that I've we, I've established in this in this process of this show, and um, I you couldn't understand the lyrics. It's very mumble mumble singy, uh, almost. Uh, there's a word mumblecore that came along. Rooster. Yeah, reminded me exactly like oh I heard rooster yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was lines like where you understand a word or something every once in a while. It reminded me of um, kind of like one of the things Nirvana got mm-hmm. parodied for um, yeah. is, you know, that kind of singing. And so um, I also, now the music wasn't, the music wasn't bad, but I felt that every element of this band mm-hmm. was okay. And like mm-hmm. every element of it could have been done by just about any halfway skilled singer or drummer or guitarist or whatever nothing mm-hmm. nothing was particularly special and um the the it's funny because a couple of moments i was really excited like at, at one point they start playing a piece of music and i'm like oh i know that piece of music <laughs> and then they're like ah just kidding that's another that's this other artist that we're just playing their guitar list and i'm like so uh, just to jump in there that is Enter Sandman by Metallica, and Metallica okay. was very famously in the audience for this show, so they were oh. doing a little a little reference to them. Okay, so yes, I recognized Enter Sandman, I guess, and uh, and then uh, and then they stopped. And they uh, the other thing that I really liked was uh, at the end, after like if you're listening to this playlist that 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 Matt posted, uh, the second to last song, which is called Over Now, ends with them basically being like, "All right, that's it, you guys." And and they get you know you can hear the audience going one more one more you know stuff like that and they come back out and do this thing like all right well here's one more uh, just something we were messing around with at the at the soundtrack and they do this little like guitar work and song thing and I'm I'm like oh this is delightful and then they're like and then they're like no no that's not what we're doing instead here's a song called the killer is me which is awful <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like okay. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing to me? And um, so, ah, yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. I, um, I, I, I was struck by how much I didn't like this <laughs> album. Um, it surprised me because I want to be open-minded in this experience, and I want to, and I have genuinely appreciated you assigning me everything else we've listened to up to up to this point. Um, the only thing, and I was like, I, I didn't like this album so much that I figured out an, a theory that uh-huh. Allison Chain's success uh-huh. is due exclusively to their amazing name because Alice in Chains is indisputably a great name for a band. <laughs> and I think that uh, I, 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 I hypothesized that their success was due entirely to that name. Um, I, I'm probably wrong. I allow for that possibility or probability even, but um, I thought that that was a, uh, uh, at least it made sense to me as a theory given this album. Yeah. 
I mean, I, you know, honestly, I think those are all fair reads. Um, you know, when I, when my friends were recommending this album to me, it was because I had said that Eric Clapton's Unplugged and Nirvana's Unplugged were the two Unplugged albums that stand above the rest. And people were like, oh, no, Alice in Chains, you got to listen to that one. And so, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is supposedly a classic, right? But one of the things that I love about those other Unplugged concerts, and I know you're not super familiar with them, so but uh-huh. I'll, I'll just give a little bit about them, is that they they go into their own catalog and play those songs, but they do it in a way that sort of explores them musically and gives you different sonic palettes throughout the album. Um, They both have guests that come on that sort of change things up a little bit at various Mm -hmm, points mm -hmm. in the performance. Um, Nirvana did, I think, almost a half dozen songs that they didn't write. They did a Lead Belly song. They did three Meat Puppet songs. They did a David Bowie song. And I think there's one other one other cover on their uh, on their Unplugged concert. They, you know, almost being like, hey, these are all the things that influenced us, you know, huh, yeah, or, okay. or Kurt Cobain yeah. as a songwriter. Um, you know, and Alice in Chains doesn't do any of that, right? Like the closest they get is like a, a few seconds of like stage banter where they're kind of giving Metallica a little bit of a hard time about their haircuts, right? <laughs> like it's, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I this is a very samey album and I don't think, so that I've heard, you know, they're plugged in music and I like it. I don't love it right but it very much suffers from the translation to acoustic instruments you know mm. there it you you sort of the yeah i would say not are they lack actually of, playing acoustic guitar uh i think there might be well they're they're plugged in acoustic electrics is what they're typically okay. playing yeah um but like the bass is acoustic bass and and Got so it. forth Got it. and um you know, and I don't want to say lack of musicianship, but like, especially because I lean so hard on repetition in my writing, right? Like there, these are like sort of repetitive figures repeated for long times at pretty glacial paces most of the time, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it just sort of exposes like, hey, there's not like a whole lot of movement or anything in this. And then the solic, uh, the, the solic panet. The sonic palette is very limited, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. one or two yeah. acoustic guitars, an acoustic kind bass. Kind of boring. Yeah, and the and drumming that is extremely metronomic. Like there's not like you if there was a metronome back there, you would not notice. You wouldn't be right, like, Oh right. man, it's too bad the that drummer had so many great fills or whatever. Like he's just yeah. back there keeping time. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm not a music aficionado, but like I do know that there are Travis Barkers out there that are like, you know, mm-hmm. killing it on drums. And yeah, and this guy uh, was just not uh, yeah. I had two I had two thoughts about sure. this album. One of them is I think I just in general don't like um, concert albums. And oh, okay. so uh, I, I think, well, let's just avoid those in the future, unless it's something spectacular. I'm kind of curious about your Nirvana Unplugged or your Eric Clapton Unplugged. I, I have not listened to either of those, except for okay. maybe one or two of Eric Clapton's songs. But um, 
sure. g- generally speaking, I think that the concert experience hurts my oh, ability shoot. to hear lyrics and mm. stuff like that, you know? And so um, the other thing that, uh, the, the, the phrase that popped into my mind while listening to this was a quote from The Simpsons from back in the, uh, back in the 90s where uh, Bart Simpson says, uh, making teenagers depressed is like shooting fish in a barrel. And uh, this <laughs> seemed like a let's make teenagers depressed type of album, uh, probably type of band. And yeah. um, yeah, I feel like I that mean, was probably their usefulness. I think I think that's that's maybe a little harsh, but not not exactly wrong, right? <laughs> well, I mean, and back in the '90s, I do remember those days where uh, emo culture was very big, and mm-hmm. uh, and so this was a time when you know, uh, I don't know, teenagers loved to be depressed rather than uh, be the you know, t- pop music. Uh, you know, consumers yeah, that this they are is, now. Yeah, this is like before the rise of Britney Spears or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I do think of Britney Spears as kind of like the cultural like turning point from. So Nirvana was like the the rise of Nirvana was the turning point from like eighties hair metal and sort of the things that we consider like plasticky rock music, mm-hmm. like sort of disingenuous Hollywood produced you know, leather pants rock stars, right? And hmm, and like okay. Nirvana came along and sort of like burned that to the ground, right? Uh, and then it was like everything was like grunge bands and alternative bands for, you know, the next seven or eight years. And then I feel like Britney Spears was like the next turning point where it was like, and obviously pop music had been chugging along that whole time. Pop music will always be with us, right? But that was like, the, she was like the artist that broke so in such a huge way that and you know coming from the disney machine and showing that somebody could make that transition into being a more adult artist i think really really kind of changed the game and like people were ready to sort of not be sad anymore yeah yeah anyways well we're getting very off topic here what do you what do you give the album travis um uh, probably my lowest score yet i'm gonna give it a two and uh and that is and that is only because of the excellent name of the band. That is the to me the only redeeming factor of yeah. this album. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, what would I give this? I think. I mean, I do like the songs that I like the sort of songs that I knew. Uh, I liked those; they stood out to me. Um, but there were a whole, there was like a whole mess of songs that all sounded pretty much the same to me. I'm, I'm struggling between a four and a five. I'm gonna say this is a five for me. It's like right smack dab in the middle. Like, no, you know what? A five feels wrong. It's a four. It feels generous. <laughs> yeah, it okay. feels generous. It's a, four. it's a four. Because okay, it's funny, I said it, you know what, though, Travis, I did that thing where, like, sometimes when you have to make a decision, you make a decision, and then you see how you feel about it, right? right yeah. And I, yeah. I was like, as soon as I said five, I was like, no, it's not. It's not a five. I wanted it to be a five, but no, this is a I, I agree with this you. I think if, knowing what I know of you, I agree with uh, your rating of a four. <laughs> yeah. So. For you. All right. So, uh, let's see. So there we are. Uh, Sevens on the movie and a four and a two on the music. So maybe not such a classic album for us. I guess not. I guess not. But that's all right. That's all right. This is, uh, I, I, you know what? I, that's part of what this whole process is about and why I enjoy doing this show. Uh, like my, even like my bike fiasco, my mom 
raised me to look at the world through the perspective of great adventure. And she mm -hmm. said, no matter what happens to you in life, good or bad, it's just another of life's great adventures. Yeah. And uh, so that was how I viewed my my bike getting stolen, and this is how I view uh, listening to this album. <laughs> oh, man. Well, if you get a new e-bike, you'll have to name it Alice. Uh, oh, there we go. Alice, Alice in Chains. Could Alice, be. Yeah, it's well, got a only chain. when the lock is on, but yeah. <laughs> well, there's a chain on the bike. It's a, yeah. you know. That's chain. true. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you got for me this coming week? For uh, oh, well, I know what you've got for me. Yeah, you do know what you've got for me. So this week I have disappointment because there are now uh, three Sundays in a row that I will not be able to tape. Uh, we'll talk about it offline, but we'll probably tape an episode shortly after I get back. Uh, and you can you can maybe give me a movie to watch either either sometime this week or or shortly after I get back. Um, and I, I will watch it for that episode. But anyways, uh, the thing that I have for you is the debut album by a Milwaukee artist, Panko Stankhole, which oh, is... Oh, what a weird name. It's a very weird name. It's a terrible name for a band. Solo artist from Milwaukee who's writing and producing one song a week, although that's soon to be in the trash can. Uh, but for now, uh, these are the first 13 songs that he recorded this year. Uh, many of them are remixed for, for the album because he learned how to mix over the course. This is all me. It's all me, Travis. It's not oh, really. It's I, not anyone I'm else. I'm aware. I was. I was ready to play along and yes and this whole bit. But yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. I can't. I can't. All right, let's speak drop. About drop the pretense. Yeah, drop the pretense. <laughs> so, anyways, you're gonna listen to Outhouse. Uh, which is uh, the first album from Panko Stankhole. It's available on all the major streaming services. Search for Panko Stankhole. Get those streaming numbers up above the single digits, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is... No, I'm excited to hear this. I have never... I've never listened to your music, your original music before, I don't think. Oh, so God. I am... Uh, I'm interested. I wish I had an original movie that I could assign you that I have recently made, but I do not. So um... I, 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 the one, the one listening note that I do want to give you is that mm -hmm. the, there is a fair amount of genre hopping here. There, there are many different types of songs on here. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, uh, especially early on, I didn't really know what I wanted to be making, and so I gave myself a bunch of prompts. And so there, there's some pretty wildly different things. It's it's sort of settled into like an indie rock alternative groove, uh, but by now, but uh, but there's a bunch of different stuff on there. Okay, okay. Well, I guess in that uh, in that vein, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you the movie Joker which came out in 2019 uh, to much acclaim. It was a movie that I did not want to see when it came out because the trailer was awful. It made it look dumb, and uh, I don't know what, but uh, it wasn't until everybody was seeing it and it was on the way to making a billion dollars, mm -hmm. uh, this little kind of like indie take on on Joker as a character from, mm -hmm. from Batman. And uh, But it stars Joaquin Phoenix, who I also am not generally a fan of, uh, but I walked out of that movie blown away. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I will, um, I think that's all I'll say. And I, 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 di I, I, yeah, that's all I want to say. I don't want to, I walked into it completely blank 
and I kind of want to give you that experience as well. Um, okay. So for you to experience and let me know what you think. So the movie, the movie Joker. Unfortunately, hmm. I have seen the memes, so I'm very familiar with about seven different. This movie was a bit of a meme factory, sort of like Inception. Maybe, uh, yeah. And so I have seen a bunch of of memes from this. Film. Okay, well, hopefully they won't ruin uh, plot I, points or, or I, story I, or character or anything think like so. that. I don't yeah. think so. So we'll see how you think about what you think about that, and uh, and then uh, hey, viewers, let us know what you think about this uh we want to hear what you think about the show if you agreed or disagreed with our uh with our opinions let us know you can email us at uh exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com or find us on facebook at exposing ourselves and uh leave a post comment uh or or send us a message comment on one of our other posts uh yeah many different ways to let us know your opinion and we want to hear them also if you would we are a burgeoning podcast just coming up through the uh through the mire and muck of all the other podcasts that are out there and one way for us to get a little bit of notice is for you to rate us on whatever you're listening to this podcast on if it's apple podcast if it's uh other things how else do people get this podcast there's deezer there's youtube there's spotify there's i don't think pandora on youtube we're absolutely on like youtube music or all right yeah google wherever you listen to us Uh, please rate us and leave a review and it would definitely help us and it would help us to a greater degree than most other podcasts because we are smaller so your opinion actually counts for more. It's like living in Montana and voting for the president. Your opinion counts more than someone living in a larger state. Okay, so I looked up the statistics and there are 1 billion podcasts, but 999 million of them don't have any ratings at all. So if you listener <gasps> leave us one single rating, we one will rating be better. Gets us into the top 1%? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. That's insane. This is true. It's not a made-up fact at all. Wow. Well, so uh, do us do us a solid and leave us a review. All right. Well, thanks very much. Hey, Matt, uh, yes. one last thing. What's that? Thank you for exposing yourself to me. Well, Travis, thank you for exposing yourself to me. It's my pleasure as always. I'll see you, uh, <laughs> well, not next week, but we're going to take a little bit off and I'll see you yep. when I see you. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.